Hello, everyone. I'm Harvey Brownstone, and today's guest is an iconic, award-winning music superstar who's been dazzling audiences with her incredibly beautiful and soulful five-octave voice since she burst on the scene in the late 60s in the original cast of the Broadway musical Hair. She then won a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical for her performance in Pearly. She's hosted two television variety shows and appeared in hit movies like All Dogs Go to Heaven and The Fighting Temptations. She was the first African-American woman to play Fantine on Broadway in Les Miserables. But ultimately, it's her fabulous voice that earned her three Grammy nominations and made her a music legend in songs like Lean on Me. This is it. You stepped into my life. Read my lips. Love's coming at you. Living for your love. Falling. And a little bit more, her number one duet with Freddie Jackson. She's recorded 28 spectacular albums, including two sensational live albums and a beautiful duet album entitled The Gift of Love. And now she's released her brand new album entitled Imagine. She's received numerous awards, including a Drama Desk Award, the Ellis Island Award, the Artist Guild Award, and the NAACP Spring Arn Award. She's been inducted into the official Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame, and her five-decade career is being honored with displays at the Grammy Museum and the Smithsonian. And in August, she'll be presented with the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award by President Joe Biden. It's my great honor to welcome the incomparable Melba Moore to our show. Ms. Moore, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. What an introduction. Did I do all that? <laughs> yeah, you sure did. I, I must tell you that I first fell in love with you in 1972 when you had your TV variety show. But when I started buying your albums and realized that there was so much more to you and to your voice than what we were seeing on your TV show, I became an even bigger fan. I really think that the TV variety show format in those days did not do you justice. Do you agree? Well, I don't know. I just say thank you. <laughs> well, I think the network tried to lock you into a kind of bland, super wholesome image that would appeal to middle America, but it wasn't the real you. Well, I hadn't become the real me yet. I, that was my first time really doing television. It, we were helping to, to make decisions about what was going to be seen. I hadn't even done TV before. I was just, you know, green and on the scene and innocent. What you saw was what you got. It was raw. It wasn't complete. I think that's what you're seeing. What you saw wasn't complete yet. It was after that that I had a recording career. And what an evolution you've had. I mean, your musical heritage is really outstanding. Your father was the legendary big band leader, Teddy Hill. And your mother, the wonderful Bonnie Davis, had a number one hit with the song Don't Stop Now. And your stepfather was Clement Moorman, the famous pianist. Was there ever any doubt in your mind when you were growing up that you would have a music career? Well, when I was growing up, I didn't really think about it. We kind of just lived it and did it. And the first part of my life, I, my family was broken. My grandmother was uh, invalid and my mother was trapped. She was a single parent. She did not marry Teddy Hill, the big band leader. So I was raised by a, a nanny. So I really didn't have a family, didn't know my family history. But when my mother married my stepfather, he had a son and a daughter. So now I had a sister and a brother. 
he had sisters and brothers. So I had aunts and uncles and cousins. Your family is your first community. And before that, there was no music in my life. I was already 10 years old when my mother got married. So, but then my stepfather gave us all piano lessons. They, re- they were uh, musicians, so they rehearsed in the house. So then I, I became immersed in music. <laughs> so now I can say from the time I was 10 years old through the rest of my life, I've been totally immersed in music from home and school. I taught music in the public schools. I then became a backup singer. So I started at the backup the, you know, the groundwork of music in the recording industry, where I watched all of the star singers like Aretha Franklin and Johnny Mathis and Frank Sinatra, whoever I sang backup for, to be uh, one of the recording sessions uh, was for the Broadway music musical Hair, but it was for Gordon McDermott, who was the music director and a keyboardist, and he was doing his his solo performance album of the show. And that's how I got cast into to the Broadway play. So nothing really happened in a normal way for me. So I, it's not like I studied acting or knew, even knew how to audition, but I got into Broadway. Nothing happened in a normal way is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, Miss Moore, as I said in my introduction, you've really done it all. Broadway, TV, movies, concerts, and of course you're a spectacular recording artist, but you started out on the stage. And besides Hair and Les Mis, you've appeared in many shows, including Timbuktu, Broadway at the Bowl, Brooklyn, After Midnight, and of course, your highly acclaimed performance in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Where do you feel most comfortable as an artist? uh, (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) What what you just listed really is is a, a commendable career in theater. And so now I feel comfortable in theater now. <laughs> I can't say that I feel more comfortable in theater than music because it's in my DNA. I started with it at home. So I think what, you know what I think I'm comfortable with? Evolving. Well, you've had an amazing recording career too. 28 albums, and that's not counting the compilation albums. Three right. Grammy Award nominations, two American Music Award nominations, Your albums demonstrate incredible versatility in your voice, pop, R&B, the American songbook, gospel. You did a wonderful duets album with Phil Terry called The Gift of Love. I'd love to see you do another duets album with singers like Stevie Wonder and John Legend and Usher and Lionel Richie and Smokey Robinson. What do you think of that idea? I think it's possible. I think I'll be blessed enough to have the chance, you know, to do that. I think that's what I call evolving. Well, please promise me that when you put out that album, I want you to come back. Thank you. I will. (laughs) Now, I I have to tell you, Miss Moore, that I really love your live albums. And you have two of them, Melba Moore Live from 1972 and Melba Moore Live in Concert from 2007. And you have two DVD live concerts, one from 2002 called Melba Moore, A Night in St. Lucia. And one from 2016 featuring Freddie Jackson called Melba Moore Live in Concert. I'm hoping that one day you'll do a CD or a DVD or maybe both of your show Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Wouldn't that be great? I think I would rather do one that's autobiographical. In other words, I love Lady Day, but I like to do my own story. (laughs) Are you planning to do that? Absolutely. Yes, I've already I already have a one woman play, which. I'm evolving into a full-scale 
autobiography with music. When I, I, I've started it, but I'm not a playwright, but I'm getting, you know, credential really good playwrights and songwriters to do uh, original score and put it together and, and do my own story. That's what I'd like to do. That would be amazing. You know, in preparation for this interview today, I watched your 1972 concert and I was thinking you didn't have an easy time in the early 70s. If you could go back and say something to the young Melba Moore back in 1972, what would you say to her? I would say to her, you, well, I'll say now to her, Melba, you did a good job. You stuck it out because life is rough. You don't have a guarantee that it's, it's going to come out like you want it to. So I would say, stick with it. So I'm here now after 50 years with a brand new album called Imagine. <laughs> You've recorded some very popular gospel albums, including Nobody But Jesus, I'm Still Here, and The Day I Turn to You. Tell us about the importance of spirituality in your life. Well, it's, it's been the reason why I've been able to keep getting up and trying again and being resilient and try something new. It's the reason I am diverse now. In the beginning, when I was in school and studying music, my natural voice was classical, so I could have gone into opera and just stayed there. But my parents played pop music, so I learned to perform that. I loved Ella Fitzgerald, so I learned how to scat. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, I just want to keep evolving. So, Ms. Moore, let's talk about your brand new album, Imagine, which is a perfect blend of traditional R&B and contemporary sounds. And your first single, So In Love, spent three weeks at number one on the UK Soul Chart, and it's now climbing the charts in North America. Congratulations. Thank you. The album is number one now in UK. Wow, that is fabulous. What happens in the UK afterwards happens in the US, so I'm hoping. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it's going to happen. This new album is a collaboration with your daughter, Charlie, correct? Yes. Well, in the sense that she brought the songs to me via her uncle, Bo Huggins, who is the brother to my now ex-husband, Charles Huggins. And to make a long story a little shorter, the two of them are the reason why I have so many hit records. They were at the the back of, of that. But then when we parted ways, I... All of the things that you mentioned, I started to do other diverse things and keep on evolving. But she brought the, uh, uh, So In Love to me, I think was the first song she brought to me. I said, I think, I think it's really great, but I, I don't have a label right now. I'm not even sure that it's really a great song for me. I think it's a hit song for somebody. So she said, well, why don't you just go into the studio and put it down and we'll listen to it afterwards and see what happens. Well, she did that with... 10 or 11 or 12 other songs, one by one by one, over a period of about two, three years. And then we realized we had enough for an album. So we said, well, what do you say about putting it out? So I said, well, I, I had a meeting with her uncle, Bo, and we decided we would, we would put out Imagine. Now, you mentioned Bo Huggins. He worked on a lot of your albums from the 80s. And I believe Charlie has said, something that I agree with, that your best recordings were made with him. Do you agree? Absolutely. That's why I trusted him and her to say, these songs were good for me. They were very, very, very diverse. And usually that's not allowed. You either go in R&B or you go dance or you go, you know, you don't have one that's diverse. But I trusted them because, well, my daughter's just coming along to participate in this. 
in this professional way, but we brought her up in the industry. So, you know, by osmosis, she has some natural ability that I would trust. <laughs> well, I love the feeling this album gives me. I feel like you're going back to your R&B roots. Oh, okay. Well, tell me, else, what else do you feel? It's your record. It's not my. Once I put it out, it's yours. What, if you listen to it, tell me, what, what do you hear? I hear a blend. I hear the evolution you talk about. There's the distinctive Melba Moore voice and there's the R&B roots that are very much your signature sound from the 80s. And it's just all into this package of this mature Melba Moore who conveys so much personal emotion. The thing about listening to you sing is that I feel like you're singing just to me. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do, especially when you say it. <laughs> Well, I want to tell our viewers that Melba Moore's fabulous new album, Imagine, is available on Amazon and iTunes and every streaming service worldwide. Ms. Moore, I want to ask you now about your activism and advocacy for civil rights over the years. You walked arm in arm with Mrs. Coretta Scott King and Reverend Jesse Jackson. You've been very involved with the National Council of Negro Women and the National Political Congress of Black Women. Ms. Moore, do you think that the younger generation truly understands the history and the struggles of the African-American community that came before them? Some of them do, but it's our job. That's why we're still here, why God has given us longevity. So that by example and by um, participating in community service and having hit records, that they'll, you know, if you're a star, if you're success, successful, they'll listen to you by, by telling them, especially through my music, that we've got to love one another, that spirituality is, belongs to all of us. The planet wouldn't be here if there wasn't God. And I don't have to get religious with you, but I have to believe it myself and, and give an example to you. It's my job now as a mature person and artist to pass it on. So I don't expect them to know it. That's my job to set an example and want them to follow that example. And you do it beautifully. And there's another thing I want to acknowledge. In 1990, you recorded a monumentally important song entitled Lift Every Voice and Sing, along with a number of music legends, including Dionne Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Anita Baker, so many others. The song was entered into the United States Congressional Record as the official African-American national anthem in 1990. And the song was named an American oral treasure by the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress. Congratulations, Ms. Moore. This really is a spectacular achievement. I'm really proud of that and grateful for that because I realized that uh, I was an African-American. I didn't know that we had an, uh, an official anthem, but I took it to my record company, which was Capitol Records at that time. And the A&R person was an African-American, so he was sensitive to my passion. And but I told him, I said, you know, I bet there are a lot of African-Americans who do not know we have an anthem. If you make it my solo and it becomes a hit, they're just going to think it's my hit record. So it was my idea to invite the other iconic artists to share in what has now officially become. We have an, a national anthem like every other country. Every country has, a, has a, a song that identifies them. And we have one as Americans, but every American is, for the most part, from another country, and they each have an, an, an anthem. So now we have one too. I Not love just it. Me, we. <laughs> I just love it. And I just learned that in October, you'll be returning to the theater in Washington, D.C. to star in the wonderful gospel musical Roll On. You'll be playing the lead role of Pearl, which I believe you've played before. You must be so excited about that. 
I am because the gospel musical genre in theater is fairly new. We know pretty much uh, what uh, Tyler Perry has done to make the gospel theme and the black story very, very, very successful. He started out with doing little gospel plays too, but then he became a really, really wonderful entrepreneur and took it to television. Now he's really the godfather of black gospel theater, but it's, now it's, it's generic, it's general. He's, he's crossed every uh, area of our cultural life. And so I'm, I'm just really, really happy to be a part of that genre because it really is kind of an intimate look at, at, at the, the black community, the way the Jewish community did it, and then it spawned into Broadway. Well, for all our viewers in the Washington, D.C. area, don't miss Melba Moore in Roll On from October 7th to the 31st at the ARC Theatre. Tickets will be going on sale very soon on the ARC Theatre's website. Ms. Moore, you've been a trailblazer in so many ways. You were one of the first Black women to win a Tony Award, and you were the first Black woman to host a TV variety show. You were also the first female pop star to do a non-operatic solo concert at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York. You performed at the White House for Presidents Gerald Ford and Ronald Reagan, and you performed before the United Nations General Assembly. You're being honored by the most famous museum in America, the Smithsonian. And this year you're receiving the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award. Do you sometimes have to pinch yourself to believe the life you've lived and the career you've had? I would only have to pinch myself if I were in your position, reading it all at one time. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, as, as you say it, I, I kind of do, because I'm hearing it all at once. But normally I live the life of everybody else. You're trying to, well, what do I have to do today? You know, how is my family? Did I get enough food? You know, am I going off my diet? <laughs> no. I you look this, pretty amazing, I'll tell you. When I get this award, am I going to be too fat? You know, things like that. So thank you for making a list of it like that. So I can kind of take it. I've had an incredible, glorious life. And sometimes you're so busy doing it, you don't have time to sit back and say, gee, aren't I great? And I'm not saying that right now, but I, I really do say thank you, Father, for giving me such a great life. Do you think you'll ever sit down and write a memoir? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I have somebody helping me schedule time to just take notes now so that it can build up because you can't, I mean, at a certain point, I think I'm going to have to take time out and just work on a memoir because you can't, I can't, I'm not a good multitasker and something like that. You're going to have to try to remember things that happened so long ago or different incidences that perhaps you've put away because they were too hurtful. You now have to bring up. So I don't think I can do that and five other things at the same time. But right now I've got somebody helping me because while I'm promoting this album, I get an opportunity if people ask me things about what happened this, this year, that year, that year. And so I want to put them down so I don't forget them again. <laughs> well, I think it's really important that these stories be written down. You've lived through an enormously important era in history. You represent the soundtrack of our lives in many ways. And you know, when we're all gone, that book will still be there for the world to know. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's very important. It's a great opportunity. I'm, I'm being invited in a couple uh, sources to do memoirs. So I, I may do some more than one, like from different perspectives. So that it's not, I, th I think the one offer that I have is going to be like trying to cover my whole life. 
But then there'll be other others where I'll just cover certain areas, not necessarily my life, but perhaps of my expertise or just my perspective on certain things. Like because because I'm so religious, that's really my whole life. It's not really appropriate for me to go on certain platforms and talk about those things because I'm invite I'm invading their territory and I respect it. I don't want to do that. But I think if if I have my own platform, then I can go in depth about whatever it is I want to talk about. Well. After you've recorded the duets album, I really hope you sit down and write that memoir. And then I can get you back on the show twice to promote both things. I, well, I'd be happy to come back and promote anything you want to. You are fabulous. You let me see who I am. Well, it's such a pleasure to see who you are. I've adored you for so many years. I want to congratulate you on all the honors that have been bestowed upon you. This is so well-deserved. Your fans are so very proud of you. I wish you every success with the new album. And I want to thank you with all my heart for appearing on our show, Ms. Moore. Well, thank you, sir. You've been so magnanimous. I'd be happy to come back again if you'll have me. Absolutely. Count on it. Our <laughs> guest has been the multi-talented and legendary Melba Moore. Remember, you can buy her new album, Imagine, on every music streaming service worldwide. And you can follow Melba Moore's career and find out everything that's happening by going to her website, melbamoore.com. My name is Harvey Brownstone. Thank you to our producer, Steve Silver. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for watching. Be sure to check out all the great interviews on the Harvey Brownstone Interviews YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when new videos are posted.